Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. All right. Now, did you know that a child... Yeah, I want you to listen to me very well. A child, and when I say a child, I understand this is going to be excruciatingly subjective, but I'm sure you'll get the point. A child, a boy under the age of 18, and girls under the age of 15, must get the written consent of their parents to get married. A boy. If a boy wants to get married under the age of 18, maybe I'm not making myself clear. If a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old wants to get married and a 14-year-old girl or a 13-year-old, 13, 14, marriage. And this is the law of the Republic of South Africa. This means 14-year-olds, 14-year-old girls can officially get married if the parents say it's okay. Parents, by law, can consent to a 14-year-old girl to get married by law. Are we okay with this? Is this okay, South Africa? Or maybe am I making a storm in a teacup? Joining me now to straighten me out, our guest for tonight, Pastor, in no particular order, by the way, Pastor Israel Pirico, founder and senior pastor at Shapers Church. Pastor, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening. Thank you so much for inviting us over for the show. Also, we do have Gogo Kanyagude. Gogo Kanyagude is a founder of Indigenous Knowledge Consultancy, Ukuloza. Gogo, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. So, good evening to you, and I'm very excited to be on this platform. Thank you very much, as well as Sheikh Mohammed West, Imam of the Long Market Street Mosque in Bokap. Sheikh, good evening to you. Welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Hi, good evening. Thank you so much, and good evening to all your listeners. Thank you for having me. Let's join right in. Our question for today is God. Whichever God you worship, whether you want to call him Ugamata, whether you want to call him um, Allah, whether you want to call him Yahweh, it doesn't really matter right now. But your God, does your is your God okay with children getting married at that age? Now, if you're wondering what age I'm referring to, I want to emphasize this. Boys under the age of 18, which means 16, 17, 15... And girls under the age of 15, which means 14, 13, 12 year olds. Is your God okay with this? Let's begin with you, Sheikh. What does the Quran say about marriage of children? Okay, uh, thank you so much. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of the Creator, the most merciful, the most kind. So, with regards to the marriage of um, in Islam and the age limit, the Quran very clearly says, um, and it can be inferred in the fourth uh, chapter, verse number six, in terms of if you have the inheritance of an orphan, it says, and test the orphans until they reach the age of marriage. So while the Quran doesn't give you an exact number, it doesn't say 15, 18, 16, it says that orphans should be given their property if you're entrusting them at an age in which they are old enough, mature enough, competent enough to be married that is uh, when they can administer the financial affairs. So it's inferred from this verse that children are not allowed to be married. 
you should have a you should have reached a level of physical mental um, psychological maturity where you can manage your own affairs and that is at the age in which you should get married so very clearly the quran um, is explicit it does not allow child uh, marriages and but it doesn't set a specific age limit all right hold it right there uh, sheikh i want to read the, the the surah and the ayat so that everyone can know what you're saying i'm reading anisa here and that's that's what you said right Surah number four, yeah. the Anisa, verse yes. number six. Yeah, right. Verse number six. Yes. All right. Uh, verse number six. This is an English translation, so please listen to it and tell me if it is translating it correctly. Remember, yeah. the Quran is written in in Arabic, so uh, the English translations sometimes do not get the correct translation. So I'll rely on you if them if my translation is not correct. It hasn't disappointed me yet, but you le- you let me know, Sheikh. It reads, and I quote: "And test the orphans in their abilities until they reach." marriageable age then if you perceive in them sound judgment release their property to them and do not consume it excessively and quickly anticipating that they will grow up and whoever when acting as guardian is self-sufficient should refrain from taking a fee and whoever is poor let him take according to what is acceptable then when you release their property to them bring witnesses upon them and sufficient is allah as accountant close quote is that the correct verse sheikh correct verse and spot on translation lovely lovely all right um so it doesn't tell us marriageable age what that age is it simply says test them until they reach marriageable age what is marriageable age sheikh well if you look at the the the, the wording that follows in that same verse it is then if you perceive in them sound judgment yes um, and so marriageable uh, to reach the level of marriage to le- reach the the age at which you are marriage uh, material basically it says that you need to have sound judgment and from this verse, uh, there's obviously an implication of being able to manage your own financial affairs. Yeah, what so, age is that there, Sheikh? A number is not given from a Quranic perspective. It would, it would definitely be, from a marriage, if you look at marriage, you have to be biologically old enough to get married, so it has to be post-puberty. And then on top of that, you must have what this verse, the Arabic word is rushd. Rushd refers to a level of maturity where you can administer your own financial well-being. And that could be at different ages. I mean, some person could uh, reach that age um, at, at, you know, in their teenage years. Some people may be older than that. And that's why the Quran leaves it open in terms of if a person is mature enough to be an adult, is deemed an adult in their society, and they can get married, then that is sort of the age that society uh, uh, deems that person is, is, is mature. How old was Aisha? <laughs> and who are we going to get to it this? It's an obvious it's one. It's an obvious one. <laughs> it's an obvious one. Right. So, so, so Aisha, uh, our mother Aisha, may uh, you know, peace be upon her. She is, of course, one of the wives of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. She was the only wife that wasn't previously married. So, of all his wives, and that's a different conversation. Um, the wives of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, she was the only one that was not previously married, uh, so a, a virgin wife, if you will. And there's a lot, and we know that she was young. And the question around her age is one of debate. There is a narration that says she was nine years old um, uh, in terms of her age. There's not in the Quran, of course. These are in the books of of of, of history in the book of Hadith, um, and other, put, other narrations put uh, at 18. In the same books, you'd have differences in terms of age. What is agreed upon is she was an adult. 
And we know that she was an adult because we have so much literature, first-hand accounts from herself. We know that she was physically of the same height of the Prophet, peace be upon him, for example. We know that she was present at, at, at battles where boys of the age of 15 were not allowed to be there. And so it's impossible that a girl of 12 years old or 8 years old would be there. Um, we know that, for example, um, none of the opponents or the society at the time, uh, both the Judeo-Christian and the Arabs, had a concern around this marriage being one that she was uh, not of marriageable age. She was engaged before she married the Prophet, peace be upon him. So what we, we know that her age is one of dispute. We do know that she was definitely in her society, ready to get married. Perhaps she would be equivalent to a 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old of our time. Uh, and, and, and this is the real question around, was she an adult or not? And I think if you get to know her biography and get to better speak for herself, you'd be very comfortable that this is a, a mature woman. All right. Uh, I, I, again, we, we are not given the exact age there, Sheikh. So we're again defaulting to the Quranic expression of, of marriageable age or matured. So your mm. comfort, you, 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 you want us to believe that he was, she was 16? So the, if you look at the, the sources that say she was nine, in fact, there's an account where she herself says, I was nine years old. But if you go into that same literature, in the same literature, it is clear that she was from certain events. She mentions events that, you know, she was born when the Quran was being revealed. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, uh, I, I'm, I'm not contending that. And that's not only even going to be our conversation for tonight there, yes. Sheikh. I just want us to, to work with a, a, an age, a number. What, what age do you think, honestly and truthfully, she was? My, my, my honest and truthful opinion and reading of, of the text, she was around probably 16 when she, uh, she was in her mid-teens, um, Based on on the way in which uh, her, you know her society, the way she engaged with her community, and the fact that she was previously engaged as to a man before the Prophet peace be upon him. Yeah. So, in my opinion, she was just ready to get married. She sort of you know came of, uh, of age in the society, which was around as we said around fifteen, sixteen, and you know that is when she married the Prophet peace. And, and there was in fact a three year gap between the engagement and the actual marriage. The point is, was she a child? in her society. That is the question that we need to ask. I want to point, definitely was not. Yeah, I want to point to you um, what is, is written uh, on The Guardian and this, this, this article was published some time back in 2012 mm. and I'm mm. hoping you, you probably will be aware of it. Um, it was uh, also talking about this. The title of the, 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 the article is The Truth About Mohammed and Aisha. Mm-hmm. And it was written or authored by Miriam Francois Kera. And the second paragraph there, it reads, critics allege, and I'm quoting this verbatim there, Sheikh, critics allege that Aisha was just six years old when she was betrothed to Muhammad himself in his 50s and only nine when the marriage was consummated. They base this on a saying attributed to Aisha herself. Sahih Bukhari, Volume 5, Book 58, Number 234. And the debate on this issue is further complicated by the fact that some Muslims believe this to be a historically accurate account. Although most Muslims would not consider marrying off their nine-year-old daughters, those who accept this saying argue that since the Quran states that marriage is void unless entered into by consenting adults, Aisha must have entered puberty early. 
full stop, close quote. It continues and continues there, Sheikh. Um, what yep. do you think of this quotation from Sahih Bukhari, Volume 5, Book 58, Number 234? And as I mentioned, if you go to Sahih Bukhari, the same book that we're quoting from, yeah. we have an account uh, on the on the battle. There was a, there was a battle, the yeah. second battle of Islam, where, as as we know clearly, boys of fifteen were not allowed to participate at that battle. And it was very close to when the Prophet married Aisha. But yet we have clear accounts in that Bukhari where Aisha was present as a nurse and she was nursing the sick and the injured. Now it's inconceivable that fifteen-year-old boys are not allowed to attend the battlefield, yeah. but ten-year-old girls would be there. Yeah. So and Aisha, so, so this is the same book, and, and, and as we know, this is an issue of dates and history. The Islamic calendar was only formalized, you know, 20 years after the Prophet that people yeah. passed away. So we don't have a calendar, we don't have a framework, and, and dates and numbers, as we know, 1,500 years ago, is not going to be accurate. Okay. Um, in this situation, I mean, uh, the difference between 9 and 15 makes a huge difference yeah. in our conversation. Indeed, indeed. Um, and that is why the question I would ask, was she deemed a child in her society? And we have enough uh, you know, evidence from both Muslims and non-Muslim sources. I mean, uh, uh, many people have criticized Islam over the, over the centuries. Yeah. No one raised her age as an issue that she was yeah. a child. All right. Look, may I, may I invite you for us to talk about Aisha specifically on a different day? Today, I don't want us to dwell much on Aisha. I just wanted us to get these numbers out in the public domain, and then we'll go on to other conversations. Is that okay, Sheikh? Absolutely, absolutely. Lovely, absolutely. lovely. Thank you very much. So, um, Amanda, uh, let, let's uh, lock the, the, the sheikh into conversation about Aisha. Just he and I will be talking about Aisha. Um, but now let's move on. Let's bring in Ugogo Kanyagode. Gogo, my biggest worry is the law of the Republic. The law of the Republic permits boys under the age of 18, and under the age of 18 can mean anything. <laughs> from 17, 16, 15-year-old boys getting married. And the law of the Republic allows girls under the age of 15, which means 14, 13, 12, to get married. What does our culture say about children getting married? Is there an age that is supposed to be appropriate? Is there a marriageable age? And is it okay for our children to get married this early? Um, this is... Actually, very, it's such a beautiful exploration to look at culture within an African context because we are in a country where we have, you know, your Roman law and you have customary law that are running concurrently along the constitution as well. So this means that we have sort of a divergent culture within our country which exists while also at the same time understanding that over 70% of South Africans fall under the Judeo-Christian Islam um, belief system. So you could say that we come from a very religious country. So when I look at it from a cultural perspective, what I understand in living practices from our purely indigenous ways of being is that there's no way that children at that age should be, would be allowed to get married because those ages in African cosmology, rites of passage are central to every stage of development. For example, um, there's Indelego in the Zulu culture, which is done, which co- continues right up to for girls, which is after the age of 20 in your 20s. And now, this memulo is to signify that 
you have now come of age and you are now ready to then go out and become so that is my understanding. Similar, you could look into the Vavenda culture and Sutu culture, where all of these rites of passage and initiation are still alive and current now. What we then could also contrast it with is that they are then much like um, the, the previous speaker spoke, Muhammad, around within context also, because culture is not a linear construct. You could also then speak to perhaps instances such as in the reed dances, where then kings will, will take maiden girls who are not perhaps in their 20s to then become part of the royal concubine. Within that, that is a betrothal. And those is also done within that. There are certain rites or checks and balances which are done throughout those rituals to ascertain that this is what is ancestrally destined to happen and also not to omit and romanticize African culture to say that it is also open to being abused and corrupted. But Gogo, I'm, I'm still trying to get to the number. Remember, my insistence with the Sheikh is to get to a number. Do we have an age that is considered marriageable age, an age appropriate for a girl or a boy to get into marriage? And understandably, when they are in marriage, there'll be consummation of that marriage. Is there an age that is marriageable age in our custom? So much like I said around the example of Umemudo, which happens currently now in South, in our country, for girls, Zulu girls, at the age when they've come to age in their 20s. Now, in the here and now, it's often done when they're at the age of 21, whereas back then, earlier before the advent and the incarceration of Western ways of 21 being the coming of age, it was around the age of 25. And this is a current living culture, even within, and mentioning the same within I am Mopulana, even within the Bulana rite of passage, the girls go to initiation school around when they first go on their first period. And from there, there's other dihoro or other dikoma that they must go through that teach them through stages up until they get to Komayabuhuera, which is around them becoming then able to become marriageable or become a community of ma- being a mother. So effectively, we can agree that um, puberty is not a number. It is a stage at which a child can reach even at 10. Is that the case there, Gogo? Yes, this this is agreed. Yeah, so as far as your submission is concerned, a 10 year old can get married in African custom as long as they have reached puberty. That is not what I said. The initial coma of coming into teenagehood, adolescence, is the first of many initiation rites which follow. In the same example that I used around graduating in Hori, either Komayabukhera or Umemulo, which is done for maiden girls at the, in their 20s. At, at the reed dance, how, how, how young is the youngest girl that attends the reed dance? 
so I wouldn't have an accurate age as to what is the youngest girl who has ever attended the Reed dance. For example, we are told that the youngest we have that has been seen is as young as eight years old. Would you be disputing that? I will not be disputing that at all. Yeah. So if we're talking about, if, if for argument's sake, because we have not conducted any census and we don't have any evidence to say every girl was counted and checked for their age, but if we can agree that they have been spotted having eight-year-olds up until the age of 18 and above at the Reed Dance, we can safely assume when the king looks at all the attendees and the participants at the Reed Dance, these are potential wives in the eyes of those who are helping the king look and the king himself. Would that not be true? Togoza, this is beautiful that you bring the reed dance up because the assumption you're looking at it from my understanding is that the reed dance is a ceremony where the king gets to choose a wife, which is anything furthest from what Umsanga is about. Yes, the king does get to pick a maiden who will become part of his wives. But the ultimate intention of the reed dance is that in the African calendar, we follow an agricultural calendar. So in September, when the rains return back, that is the time when we say, that's when then the maiden returns. And it is why the ritual is done by the queen Actually, it's in honoring of the queen and then with also then the grandmothers coming in to do the virginity testing. This is around bringing together the divine... Forgive me, Gogo. Forgive me. My my worry is that we we are not getting to that point. We we do appreciate the significance of the reed dance, but our focus is what inadvertently happens there. While it may not be the purpose of the reed dance, but we do appreciate also that what inadvertently happens is that those who are helping the king and the king, their eyes are wide open looking out for a potential suitor for the king. Is that not true? Inadvertent, that is also why I was sharing in terms of the context. Because what you assume is the process which is done using just a lay approach is not. By the time the reach dance comes, there is divinations which have been done. There's already an understanding and a prophecy, if we could go in such a way, as to the, the maiden we are looking for will be in this way. It is not within the lens within which you're making it seem as though it's this girls that are there and it's just this male gaze that is looking as to who is the most fertile. <laughs> okay. Okay, that was farthest from my brain there, Gogo, but I hear what you're trying to caution against. That was far, far from what I was talking about. So uh, we are told, again, I'm going to read this verbatim. Um, It says the girls are separated into two groups. The girls gathered the Queen Mother's Royal Village. The girls are separated into two groups based on their ages, 12 to 20, 14 to 22 years and 8 to 13 years. And they march to the reed beds with their supervisors, local chiefdoms, that are registered as security for this event. Day three, each girl 
cut her reeds between 10 to 20 and ties them into a bundle day four the girls may their uh, uh, may their way to make their way to the queen mother's village carrying their bundles of reeds day five a day of rest where the girls make final preparations to their hair and dancing customs and so forth and so forth it good goes on it goes on but what I wanted to bring about is this age group is from eight years up until 22 and I'm asking again there Gogo is it not so that we have seen children being married off in their early teens whether it is after puberty at 12 or 13 or 14 has this not happened no was it? this is this is this is part of my sharing in the beginning that there is there is been instances where the customary approach to being culture is not being proper correctly practiced. In some instances, where as you're saying, there will be those that are married or at younger instances. But for me, it is important for us to also look upon context. Because culture is not something which is an ever-fixed thing that remains. If there is a certain interruption in a certain people that has to do with their race, their identity, it interrupts even the cultural practices. And if we are then going to factor in the violent, oppressive nature and the interpositions of Africa, a lot then of how the expressions of how African culture may even be expressed now within a very patriarchal nature. Forgive me, Gogo. Forgive me again for interrupting. I really need us to get to the to, to the nub. We're running out of time there, Gogo. I need you to just give us the, the, the direct answer. Can we confirm that it has happened, whether it was right or wrong, but we're just talking about our history now. Can we mm-hmm. confirm that it yeah. has happened that children were married off and some even grow older to say I was married off at this age and I'm still in my marriage they're still proud they're proud grannies today saying I was married (laughs) off at the age of 14 and I stayed in my marriage I never came back and they tell the story ever so proudly can you confirm this is actually true there Gog that's true. I actually do know somebody who got engaged at the age of 17 and was married around the age of 19, personally. Yeah, I, I, I know grannies who were married at the age of 14 and 15. All right, let's, let's, let's move on to uh, oh, Pastor uh, uh, Piri. Pastor, uh, from your scriptures, um, is there an age limit? Good evening. Now to the panel. Um, thank you so much. Um, the Bible doesn't have an explicit um, age limit. So a lot of our guides are on pertaining to marriage and um, to children and also to sex. And one of the guiding principles in terms of marriage is uh, Genesis 2.24, where it says, uh, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, that they may become uh, one flesh. So a lot of um, the interpretation of this verse pertains to, for this reason shall a man leave, which emphasizes a certain level of maturity um, and independence as it, as it relates to marriage, which is um, very similar to um, the, the position of the Muslim religion, that uh, maturity and independence play a key role in marriage, 
and uh, particularly you have to be able to demonstrate the ability to support yourself and support um, a family. And many times whenever in scripture there isn't um, an explicit position in terms of a particular number, uh, what I'm picking up from both the African tradition and the Muslim tradition is that um, there has to be an application of wisdom and discernment. And when we look at um, scripture, particularly the nature of God throughout scripture, um, he has very strong positions of protecting um, the well-being and the welfare of children. Um, in particular, in Matthew 18, um, Jesus specifically spoke about children and said, if anyone causes one of these little ones um, to stumble, it, it would be better for them to have a milestone hung around their neck and drowned to the depths of the sea. And this shows the importance of safeguarding children and preventing anything that could exploit them. So when it comes to marriage, um, the Christian faith always um, indicates that it's for the mature, for mature adults, but um, there isn't a specific age that is given, however, in the Bible. Okay, let's go back again. Um, what then, therefore, could we consider to be a marriageable age? A marriageable um, age, um, there isn't, like I said, there isn't a an application of... Okay, let me let me uh, lead you then. Um, a number? Let me lead you then, and I want you to think clearly. Do you remember King Joash? Yes. How old was he? When he took over the kingdom. Yes, sir. Um, he was 12 years old. Seven years old. Yes. He was seven years old. Can we confirm yes. that King Joash was seven years old? Would you like me to read the verse for you? Yes, please. All right. Second Kings chapter 12. You can begin with the first verse. It gives you right there. When we come back, I want us to talk about a seven-year-old in the Bible getting to be king and therefore allowed to be married. Yeah? When we come back. You're yes. listening to Facts of Faith. I'm Nayelu Pondwana. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Let's synchronize our watches. My time says it's 17 minutes before 8. You are listening to Facts of Faith. I'm Naye Lupondwana. We are together until 9 o'clock. We're still trying to grapple with our being as people of the Republic and for the perspective of people of faith to be put bare for any and everyone to understand. Now, I want you to understand this very clearly, that when we are getting into these conversations, we need to get to the nub of it all. The nub of it all. And then when you walk away from this show, you walk away knowing exactly what you are going to believe in as a person of faith. You know what your faith stands for, and therefore you must stand for what your faith stands for, right? All right, let's go back to the pastor. Pastor Piri? Joash? Yes, how are you? Yes. Yes, yes. So, um, can we confirm that Joash was seven years old when he became king? Y yes. Yes, Joash was seven years old. And you're comfortable with the scripture I quoted for you? Yes, I am. All right. Um, how can, can we then confirm that at, as king, he was eligible to get married at any, with anyone at whatever age? Can we confirm that as well? That is uh, possible. That is logical. 
no, no, I'm not talking about logic now. I'm talking about the actual history of the Hebraic monarchies. Once you become king, you're entitled to have uh, marriage, to be married, and to have concubines. Yes, it is. That's factual, right? Yes. All right. So as far as the Christian community is concerned, therefore, have you seen any objections? Did God ever come, send a, a prophet or an angel saying, it is wrong to have a king at seven years. It is wrong to therefore have somebody who's going to be eligible for all of these powers, including coitus, consummation at the age of seven years? Did you see God anywhere saying it's wrong, it's objectionable? Um, first of all, in a strict sense, there isn't a specific detail about his marital status or when he got married. Absolutely. Um, in the Bible itself. And exactly what you're saying, there isn't any uh, prophet coming to rebuke him regards to his marriage. Uh, but one of the things when we are approaching the Old Testament, we don't view every character as an example um, for how we live. In fact, we always measure everyone against um, the principles of the Word of God. And yeah. the Old Testament, um, if you notice it very carefully, it's actually uh, full of flawed individuals, full of flawed stories. Uh, if anything, particularly the period of the kings, First uh, and Second Kings and First uh, and Second Samuel, um, it shows us just uh, the failure of human beings, just our sin nature, our inability to live up to the standards of God's word and facilitating the need of a savior who comes um, in the New Testament. Um, even one of the greatest kings, David, had significant challenges and significant problems, um, even though he was considered a man after God's own heart. Um, so in this case, um, we, we would not even see the idea of having um, a, a leader of a church to be seven years old or a leader of a country to be seven years old. Um, and uh, particularly around that time in the Bible, there was a lot of upheaval. Kings would come and go uh, based on their obedience to the word of God. And in fact, most of the kings in the Bible um, were actually people who disobeyed the word of God and rebelled um, the word of God. So governments and administrations were changing all the time. And um, it's actually... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm was, sorry, Pastor. Forgive me for interrupting. I need just to get to that point there. I, I'm not trying to rush you, but I need you to answer the question there. Yeah, so in this case, they, there is no way we would take Joash as a model uh, to justify um, child marriage because the majority of the kings were also not um, this age. This is an uh, outlier event and... It's descriptive. It cannot be prescriptive. We cannot take everything that is described in the Bible as a prescription of how to live. I, I, um, I'm not so objecting. This particular case. Yeah, go on, go on. So in this particular case, unfortunately, we, biblically, we cannot support child marriage based on King George's ascension to the king, kingship. How old was Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was affianced and ultimately wedded to Joseph, her elderly husband? The Bible doesn't state her age, uh, but she was affianced at a, at a young age, probably in her teen years. But there isn't a specific um, age mentioned in the Bible. All right. How old do you believe she was? Like I asked the sheikh there, um, his sense, and where he would bet, get his sense. I would like to get you from you. What is your sense? How old do you think she was? 
Um, I think she was 18. Okay, what makes you think 18? Um, between, okay, I would say between 16 and 18. That's the, the age period I'll put. I, I understand. Think she definitely You're basing your suppositions on what? I understand it's a supposition. I won't hold you to it. But I just need you to help me understand on what do you base that age group? Well, the Bible indicates that um, she was young when she was betrothed. And um, in Jewish custom, particularly in the Near East, in that particular period, it was not strange uh, to be betrothed at, a, at an early age, in particular in teenage years. So um, it is highly possible that she was a teenager. And um, my own conclusion is just based on just uh, the, the Near East culture, particularly at that time in the Roman Greco era. Would you be surprised if some theologians put her at 12, 13, 14? Um, I'm sure there are theologians who can uh, come up with, with that conclusion. And um, very similar to how culture in different times and in different eras, um, there are certain things we look down on today based on a, on a modern culture. And based also just on the, particularly on the evolution of um, consent over the years in different cultures, um, that uh, number changes. Um, and I think, was it Japan last week, they moved from 14 to 16. So different cultures at different times can change um, their consent. But for us in the modern age, looking at uh, the ancient world, um, we have to also be careful not to impose our modern sensibilities. So there is definitely a plausible <laughs> possibility. Okay. Definitely pl plausible that um, she was in that age range. Yes. Um, so uh, no theologian will be wrong to come to that conclusion, given also just the cultural um, setting of the day. They would not be wrong to come to that conclusion. I'm glad you gave us that segue, modern sensibilities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that effectively means that people of faith are rather confused. They have a biblical sense and a modern sense. Which one should they be following? Because really now, if you're going to be telling me that you're taking your faith from the scriptures, your sensibilities must be faith-based. You cannot be schizophrenic, as to use the term of Maponga, where you're, you're going to be using your <laughs> biblical sense this side and then your modern sensibilities this side. Surely you got to pick your battles, right, Pastor? No, I totally agree with you. And I think that is uh, the tension we face as, as um, Christians and every, every person in their faith. Many yeah. times we are uh, in a battle where the modern culture and the Bible, when they go in two different directions, yeah. we very definitely have to submit to the authority of Scripture. Okay, all right. And Yeah, let, let, let's take some calls for you because I want us to get to one last question, which I'm hoping all of you will be able to answer for me. Let's go to Mahi Gang. Moana, good evening. Go ahead. Good evening. Go ahead, Moana, go ahead. Can, can you read uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 21? Okay, what does Deuteronomy 22 verse 21 say, Mboana? Yeah. Uh, it's talking about marriage, to saying they, they, both boys and girls must not engage into sex without marriage. That is not our conversation for tonight, Mboana. We just want to know how old must they be when they choose to get married. 
We're not talking about outside marriage sex here. This is not about extramarital or intermarital sex. We're talking about the age of majority as far as the scripture is concerned, the age of permissibility for, for, for people to get married and then ultimately consummate that marriage. Yeah, because I was hoping that uh, someone who is not on the age of marriage cannot have sex. So I was believing, like, if you are in the age of sex, then it means you must get married. And what age That's is that? I was using that scripture. I'm, I'm okay with that. What age is that there, Mbawana? Uh, is there other scripture that you can be able? Say that again. You, we, we can use our constitution then. Constitution? Yeah, I went. The constitution co- is saying. Okay, okay, um, I, okay. We don't want the constitution. We'll talk about the constitution next week. <laughs> Tonight, we want to talk about your faith there, Mona. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Cape Town. Uh, let's go to Colin in Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Good evening, Naya. Go good ahead, evening, Colin. And good evening, your guest. Mm. Um, uh, mother of Jesus, Mary. Yes. Get one thing into your head and all the listeners. She was not married. She was not given away to get married. Okay. Stop there. This government of ours seems to be forcing their culture onto the whole countries. On, onto all the citizens. Because I worked with Kozas. I've worked with Zulus. I've worked with Stranis. I've worked with so many different varieties of uh, nationalities on the government service. And I was told that once a girl menstruates, she's no more a child. She's fertile. She's classed as a woman. Oh. And you ask your listeners uh, at all in that belief, to phone back and tell you it's true. Because I can give you the names of people. I still talk to those same causes from Eastern Cape and all over. All right. Ho- can... ho- hold on, Colin. Tell me, so you're saying you believe that the age of majority is the age of puberty. Am I understanding you well? Correct. That is what they say. No, no, no. Because I'm asking you, don't represent... No, no, the... no, no, no. I would never I, say I, that. I, Colin, I, you cannot stand here and tell me you're going to represent the views of the Kosas. You no, have no no no, 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 no. Tell me your views because you do not have any standing. Was you have no local standee to represent the views of the Klosas. Let the Klosas speak for themselves. Now, tell me your I views. Am. Tell me your views, Colin. What do you now, think is the age is, of majority? My view is you start your program. You said I can't believe what this country is coming to. Yeah, yeah. We've got a government that is forcing laws on the rest of the government, of the rest of the people of this country. But that's not true. No one was forced. Hang on, hang on. They, they're going to bring it into law. They bring laws to suit their culture. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's get that now, clear. Who, who's going to bring that in? Who's going to bring 12? Hold on, hold on uh, there, Colin. Let's remember again, there is no law that has ever been forced on a people in the Republic of South Africa from the year 1994 up until now. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get that fact very clearly. Every law before it becomes a statute of the Republic of South Africa, it goes through the channels, including public hearings, wherein you and I, as ordinary members of the, of the public, can comment on the, on the laws before they are enacted. 
So there cannot be a time where a South African is going to say on a national radio station that we have a law, but we were forced to have it. Not in this country, my friend. Not in the Republic of South Africa. If it's a law, that means it has been voted into law by parliamentarians, by the South African Council of not Council of Churches, Council of Provinces, and people went and discussed this in in public hearings many stages before it goes to the president to sign it into, into law. So let's not come to radio and say people were forced to have a law. No such thing, sir. Now, yeah, mm. they will have surveys. It's out of public. Now we've got something like 40 million people in this country. And I listen to your radio stations and so many people on... Um, over Stephen, 60 now. Over 60 million. Yeah, but hang on. I'm talking about voters, people. Okay. Now... I hear yeah, so many people disagree with the laws. They made it 12 years old and 14 years old, consent of uh, marriages and things like that. It's, I never voted for those things. Where do they come on? They say now it's open for the public debate. All right. But, but let, but okay, uh, uh, Colin, I want us to, to, to close this conversation, but I want us to be factual again. You made a statement at the beginning. I was hoping you're going to clarify it. Just go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Matthew chapter 1, Correct. verse 24. Come on to me. Hold uh, on. No, 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 no. Let's, let's read it. Remember, this is facts of faith. We don't just howl. We get our facts straight, all right? Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Do you have it in front of you, uh, uh, Colin? I think I know what you're going to talk about. It's when uh, the children... No, no, oh, no, no. One. Let me that read... Don't, don't worry. One. Don't worry. Let me read it to you so that we don't go around in circles. When Joseph... This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. The statement you made there that says Mary was not married is a lie, sir. You have misrepresented your Bible and I would ask you to reconsider that statement again and not say it on public radio. You cannot say Mary was not married because your Bible, if you read your Bible, says Joseph did marry Mary. Hang on, hang on, Naya. Correct. The angel came to Joseph, but he did not have sex with Mary. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Colin, read chapter 1, verse 24. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Wife, get your facts straight. Got to move on. Thank you very much. I really, really wish that we could remember that when we are on this platform, we need to be responsible with the things that we say. Imagine a child who's going to listen to Mary was not married to Joseph. My goodness. We're going to go to the news. When we come back to the news, I'm going to ask all of our guests to give us now their replies. And this is the question that I want us to answer. Um, Please think about it because it's a very important question for us to part ways with to all three of my guests. When then we are talking about the issue of sex with children or sex between children, understanding that the context here is marriage. Do we really, really, really have the, is it necessary for us to be as flabbergasted by children having age at the age of 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, if we have okayed it as far as people of faith is concerned? If our texts of faith don't see age, they see only the maturity. Why should we have issues with age? This is a question that I really need South Africans to grapple with. 
if really all communities, we heard from Ugogo, we heard from the pastor, we heard from the sheikh, age is almost a non-issue as far as sex and marriage is concerned. Why do we as South Africans, particularly people who are people of faith, why do we make brouhaha about age? If we know that as far as our faith systems are concerned, we really don't have issues with age as long as the child or the person is, up, is post-puberty. Why do we make brouhaha about it? Particularly people of faith. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for the news. We come back and give you more here on SAFM. Stand by. Facts of Faith on SAFM. Exactly four minutes after eight, you're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayel Upondwana, here on SFM. We're leading the conversation this time around. We're taking the second of two hours. This is the second and the final hour of the program. You've been listening to the various conversations, very educational indeed, and I was very excited to hear all the perspectives and how harmonious um, our guests were chiming in to the issue of age being a non-entity as far as their faith communities are concerned. Just for purposes of, uh, um, uh, uh, well, throwing forward, um, we will be doing a part two of this conversation. Today we we're focusing strictly on uh, communities of faith. We got a call uh, to say that um, uh, the, the, the Republic of South Africa would like to speak on the topic as well. Now, you know this is a public platform and we welcome any representative of the Republic of South Africa that wants to come and speak to the people of the Republic. Most welcome and we are ever so grateful that they're offering themselves to come through and talk to us and they'll be here next week. That'll be part two to get the legal perspective and, uh, well, the actuality of how we got to these ages that are stipulated in our legislation and how we are so okay with these ages. And I'm sure um, uh, you'll be interested to have the conversation with them when they come through. So uh, schedule it tonight. Put it in your diary. We'll be having... Um, the ministry coming through to talk to us on this very issue. Now, let me give my guests an opportunity to respond now. Um, the, the question I was asking to all three of you, Gogo, uh, Kanyagut, I want to start begin with you this time around. Why do we have this preoccupation with age, Gogo, if the issue is, has never been with age as African people, but about maturity and puberty? I'm much like I spoke around when we speak of African culture, we must frame it within an authentically African expression. So we look at age as a construct which works on a Gregorian calendar of 12 months. The African calendar is completely different. No, no, I understand that. I understand that, Gogo. Yes. What, what I'm asking allow, you now is... Allow for me to, allow for me to answer in, in, I, I in need you. I, 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 I need you, Gogo, to so be as succinct. Gogo, I, I need you to be as succinct in your answer. I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer. But I need you to be as succinct in your answer. I'm going to give you two minutes each so that we can be able to get all of you within the time frame that we have. Go ahead, Gogo. Two minutes. Go ahead. Okay. So the simple answer why age doesn't matter in African culture is this. Colin shared and you also shared that once a woman goes on her period, she has now become a woman and is ready to be married. We're now at a place where young girls go on their periods at the age of 10. And that is based on African culture and spiritualities around a relationship with the land. 
the food we eat now based on a disassociation from the land and therefore our indigenous ways of relating with the land means that girls and boys mature at a much faster rate. So this now then means that if we are now maturing at a faster rate, those desires and those behaviors will move into a way where now young boys and young girls will grow in their periods at younger ages. And once that emotion of somebody wanting to then a normal hormonal process of attraction starts to begin, culture can look at it from a moral place of saying this is morally wrong, which takes a punitive, a Western approach to it, where culture in an African perspective is restorative, which though it may not encourage the young from getting married, but it will not also forbid the young from getting married. Because if this is something which is from you are giving consent, the ancestors have given consent and the elders have given consent and it aligns and it is done in integrity where there is negotiations that you may marry but you may only consummate at this period, then even for myself on a personal level, I wouldn't take an ageist approach because as just a person, I don't believe in ageism. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Gogo. I like that. I like that. Uh, perhaps we might have a part two with you as well. Uh, Pastor, you've got two minutes. Why do we make a big issue about age as people of faith if your Bible has no age restriction? Go ahead. Two minutes. Uh, because within the context of the Bible, um, um, sex and marriage are inextricably tied. And in the context of marriage, that is where sex takes place. So in the context of a South African culture where um, there are young people having sex, um, the, the, the first question becomes, is it within the context of, of marriage? And that's why we get very... Um, against it because in the wisdom of God, he knows why he locked um, sex within the confines of marriage because sex has consequences, which could probably be um, pregnancy and a child and a family is the safe environment which God has prescribed in his wisdom um, in order for sexual activity where if the consequences do come, they are within the context of marriage. So that's why, from a biblical perspective, um, we always attach sex and marriage together. My question is, why then do we have an issue with age? Why do we always talk about age? I'm giving you 30 seconds there, Pastor. Because we attach it as well, like I said, in Genesis 2, to maturity. There is no that age in Genesis reason. there, Pastor. Well, we, we, we don't have, like I said, we don't have a specific age date, but we always ascribe to maturity and to marriage. I understand. I agree with that. That's, That's why I was asking why, why are we so preoccupied with age? Because each and every time we have uh, an outrage about sex and age, it is because our issue is the age at which sex is happening. Uh, let's go to the shake. Shake. Two minutes. Why are we making an issue as a South African people about age? If as far as our faiths are concerned, age is not prescribed. Well, from a from an Islamic perspective, you know, age is not really a, a, a paramount issue that mm. we, we raise. Um, it is, as we said, there's a clear litmus test that to be an adult, it needs to be an actual testing. 
Um, and, and that is why we can't agree to an age of, of consent globally and why it is going to be, it's going to change as society develops. A 12-year-old now is going to be, an 18-year-old now might be deemed an adult. A hundred years from now, an 18-year-old might not be an adult. And the Quran therefore leaves a dynamic approach. You assess the individual. And if this person is deemed to be mature biologically, emotionally, and they can be independent, and it, it likens with the orphan. When, you, when, would you, when would we, you know, you had an orphanage, when do you let the orphans go on their own? When they're able to think for themselves, that's when they're an adult. And so we don't prescribe an age. It is about maturity. And I don't think it's in the Islamic discourse. It's something that we have been um, uh, dogmatic on in terms of age, so long as it is in the interest of the individual and that there's consent and the person is old enough to make an informed decision and, and manage their own affairs. Got it. All right. Then you could be 15, 50. Age is just a number. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to leave it right there to all of my guests. To all of my guests, uh, we're going to con- conclude on that note. I'm going to ask that perhaps we do a part three. Next week, we'll be doing a part two with the state. And then after, um, we'll make time with Amanda. Amanda, let's have all three of our guests talking about uh, sex now uh, in marriage. But uh, next time, we'll talk about sex outside marriage with the very same three guests. All right. Um, uh, to all of my guests, I want to say to Pastor um, uh, Israel Piri, co-founder and senior pastor at Shapers Church. Pastor, thank you. Also, Gogo Kayagude, founder of the Indigenous Knowledge Consultancy, Ugoloza. Gogo, thank you for coming. Also, Sheikh Mohammed West, an imam of the Long Market Street Mosque in Bokap. Sheikh, thank you.